Does food, the food history podcast where we ferment yeast, barley, hops, and your dreams to make a very tasty, fizzy filling. Where does food beer? I'm your host, Oops All Tim. And with me, as always, is your other host, El Chapo. El Chapo. And today we are discussing beer while I drink some beer. And L drinks water. But, okay, we didn't have to put me on blast like that. We could have just, you know, you're you're going Listen, down the, a, the brewing tour here. L's a professional. L has never, not once, not never been even tipsy for an episode, and I have been drunk you know. for for a few episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, tonight I'm not drunk. I, you know, I'm on yeah. my second beer, so I, I'm feeling all right, but uh, not drunk. L, how do you <laughs> feel drunk. about beer? I, I don't mind it. It's not my go-to, but I also don't dislike it. I, I just think I'm maybe perhaps haven't found the one for myself yet yeah. because people, people have like their go-to beers. I'd be like, oh yeah, I want that one, or like, oh yeah, and it's like, yeah, I, you know. Admittedly, most people's go-tos are ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's true. This is true. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm a beer snob. Uh, no, I'm. <laughs> I kind of am, but I, I, I genuinely love beer. I'm a big fan of beer. I mean, you know this about me. Yes. Uh, and any, yeah. I mean, anyone I feel like who's even listened to uh, an iota of this show knows that about me. <laughs> yeah, for me, beer is for sure a perfect food. I, I absolutely adore it. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. But I'm the one hosting this uh, episode, so who gives a fuck what I think? Uh, <laughs> so, L, uh, yes. there are roughly 40 Nashville breweries. 40? So, out of 40, Damn. where would you rank beer? Big 2-5. The big 2-5. 20. You're doing 25. 25. You're, you're a little bit above half. And, again, it, wait, you know, to even es- expound a little bit on your take of that beer's not your go-to even though it's not your go-to and i've seen you uh drink cocktails more than i have seen Absolutely. you drink beers you will uh you will have a beer with me uh and uh, you'll yes. have pretty much any beer that i'm drinking which which is such a, like that is not a trait that people that don't like beer or people that don't go to beer that is not a trait that most of them carry if any Honestly, like the idea that like, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of beer. What are you drinking? I'll just drink that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's such a dangerous game to play with someone who loves beer uh, like myself, because I could be drinking fucking anything. It's true. I could be drinking the worst beer I've ever had in my life, which the worst beer for me would be just the fucking all, like, it would be terrible for anybody who's just like a layman to the world of beer. Um, <laughs> because the beers that are good to me, typically people don't like. So. <laughs> no, so I, I, I always appreciate that you're you're willing to to try different. I am just that, that way with food and drinks in general. I like, fuck it. Give it to me. Let's try it. Give it, it to go. Why yeah. Not? You know what I mean? You never Who know cares? what you don't like, what you do like. Yeah. 
yeah, at the end of the day, if I don't like it, cool. I'm not going to eat it anymore or drink it anymore. If I do like it, great. I'll drink it and eat it more. So <laughs> that's where I live. <laughs> it's a great litmus test, honestly. Hey, guys. Welcome to the ad section. I'm here to tell you real quick about Anchor by Spotify. You may have heard us talk about Anchor at the end of our episodes. Is because Anchor is the platform we use to distribute our podcasts. It's totally free. It helps us distribute our podcasts to different platforms. That's how we're on Apple Podcasts. That's how we're on Google Podcasts, CastBox, you name it. They've helped us do that. You can record directly on the app, on the webpage. They don't even need a super fancy setup. It's super straightforward totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your podcast or whatever you like to do. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of the episode. Hey there, it's your host, Tim, stopping the podcast to tell you about an awesome deal that you can get through Rep Sports. Rep Sports is a supplement company, so they help supplement people's workout lives. They have proteins, pre-workouts, post-workouts, recoveries. They have all types of supplements over there, so go check them out and Fill out that stack. I know you're getting low. I can feel it. My stack's getting low. I'm about to do me a shop as well. You can also get mine and L's favorite energy drink, Raise Energy. I'm telling you, one can gets you through the day. Not a problem. Raise Energy is fantastic. No crash at all. So if you go to repsports.com and use the code WDF15, you can get 15% at checkout. Again, WDF15, you get 15% at checkout, and you also get to support this podcast and support your workout routine, man. Go do it. Now enjoy the rest of this podcast that we love doing. Hi, Homer. I'm worried about the beer supply. After this case and the other case, there's only one case left. All right, so let's let's go in on this journey of beer. It's a long journey, and it's an old journey. So what the hell is beer anyway? What is it? First and foremost, beer is one of the oldest, the oldest and most widely consumed type of alcoholic drinks in the world. What? Not only alcoholic, but it is one of the most consumed drinks, period, in the world. Beer? Wow. Yes, beer. It's made by fermenting and brewing starches typically derived from cereal grains such as malted barley, wheat, maize, which is corn, uh, rice... (laughs) (laughs) and oats Uh, during the brew process uh, fermentation uh, of the sugars in the liquid or what is known as wort produced from the mashing mashing being boiling the cereal grain we'll get into it Um, (laughs) mashing the starchy grains produces ethanol and carbonation usually in the form of carbon dioxide giving us beer a lot of modern beers add carbonation these days but Either way. Interesting. Okay. And modern beers use hops in the brewing process uh, for flavoring and as a natural preservative. I'm sure you've heard all of us talk about hops. If you listen to any, if you listen to any neck bearded fucking fucko (laughs) like me, um, who's into the, the, the fucking craft beer world, we talk about hops all the time. So, uh, (laughs) because there's just so many different types and so many different beers that use it. I know, clearly, yeah. All of them. Well, most of them. How about we talk about the word beer? Where's it come from? Let's do some etymology. Uh, Um, (laughs) Early forms of English and Scandinavian languages. Uh, The word for beer was associated with a word whose modern English form is ale. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, the word beer comes from Old English beer, uh, which itself comes from West and North Germanic, modern Dutch and German, uh, beer, but B-I-E-R. So, like, I don't know, put some German on it. B-R. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> that's uh, my nickname in high school, put some German on it. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> oh, fuck. In Old English, that was also my band in high school, put some German on it. Uh, in Old English and Old Norse, the beer word was not the malted ale we know and love now, but yeah. a sweet and potent drink made from honey and juices. Uh, so it was closer to a mead, and a mead is a, a ah, honey wine, okay. or a hard cider. It was closer to that, right? I love a good hard but, cider. But thick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. Never mind. One, the, yeah, no, the one thing that that I have learned about ancient beers is that they thick. Uh <laughs> All that right, weed, like baby. we're not. Yeah, no. Listen, we're not talking about these fancy copper, you know, drums and all these barrels. No, 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 no. Get that Ultra out of your fucking refined. head. It's old. <laughs> it's old, baby. This drink is old. That means the early versions of this shit you wouldn't even recognize. <laughs> yeah, but um, in German, the meaning of the beer word expanded to cover the ale word. So that's sort of what ah, happened okay. in the timeline, right? Like uh, of the etymology and as a uh, german hopped ale became popular in england uh, in the late middle ages the english word beer took on the german meaning and we'll talk a little bit more about that like what they you know how ale and beer and all that difference all that shit um yeah we'll, we'll get on to all that so before we move on to the actual history let's talk a little bit about how beer is brewed because yes. we're talking about beer we're going into the history of beer we might as well discuss how it's brewed, how it's made, because there's literally no other episode to do this in. Well, the first step is to boil the malted barley or other cereal grain uh, for a couple of hours. Just kind of varies. Okay. Um, that is the mashing process, right? It's called mashing, but it's just extracting the starches out oh, okay. of those grains and it's converting them to sugar. You then wash the grains to get as much of that wort. And remember I said wort was right. just the the liquid from those grains as possible. That's what's going to ferment, right? Like that wort mixed with uh, the yeast and then it'll get, it'll ferment and that's what's going to turn to beer. But after you rinse all the, uh, the, the wort off of that, that is put into a kettle and then boiled to further remove water. This is where you add your extra flavors. So if oh, you're doing right. uh, fruits, salts, any, like any mixings, like hops, all that stuff gets added now. And you boil it during that process with, you know, with the hops, things like that. Not only is that going to help preserve it, it's going to add all the flavor that you're looking for. After boiling, the hopped wort gets cooled uh, and then yeast is added. It's then fermented either, uh, and the yeast, depending on the type of yeast, which we're about to get into, uh, how it's fermented, however long is needed, all that stuff. It, it depends on the type of beer going for the recipe you're using. Okay. Uh, and that gets bottled, canned, or kegged to either finish aging or to just be uh, sold immediately to be consumed, which is what oh, a lot of beers do, right? Like not right. every beer is going to age within the container. A lot of them are just ready to go right out the gate. I didn't realize that you you aged beer like that. Yeah, like yeah. Like uh, yeah. To even go further into the aging, uh, there's uh, two kind. There's kind of two different things. There's top fermenting uh, and there's bottom fermenting yeast. So there's the two different types of yeast. Now that's not to say there's only two types of yeast. It's just say that there are yeast that do two different functions. They either uh, ferment right. to the top because they're really active uh, or there's yeast that floats to the bottom where it ferments better in cooler environments. So 
Top fermenting is the oldest form of brewing uh, and is associated with modern day ales. So just bringing us into modern times, uh, if you see the word ale, it's most likely a top fermented yeast used on that beer. Okay, That's going to give you that strong flavor uh, from that fermentation, that kind of alcoholy thing that's really forward with. Uh, a lot of people don't like, you know, IPAs and stuff because of the hoppiness, right. the bitterness, but also it, it has of alcohol that's very obvious and forward, and it comes from that type of yeast. Okay. Bottom fermenting is done at colder temperatures, so think of I think of like almost a wine cellar, but for beer, right? Like it's a beer cellar. It's mm. going to go into these colder, damper, uh, darker. Uh, Places <laughs> where people turn on some uh, Martin Gay and they fuck. No, they just let it <laughs> ferment uh, in the colder temperatures. And that is going to be associated with most modern day lagers, Ooh. which bottom fermenting was discovered by accident in the 16th century <laughs> after oh beer was, so yeah, cold. it was stored in cold ta uh, caverns for a long period of time and it turned out really great it actually changed beer in a major way it's kind of where uh m matter of fact most beer consumed today is bottom fermented beer most beer consumed today is the lager um and that is american lagers think of literally most american beers that are consumed they are probably light american lagers and in general that that slower f uh fermentation process with that bottom fermenting is really what changed it to that light, crispy beer that Ooh. most people love and, yeah. and that we associate with beer. So that is our, before we dive into the actual history, that's just our precursor into what beer is. Yeah. Um, and that's, so, th so that's what beer is. Keep that in your brain as we go through. Uh, and I totally take away all context of history and what beer <laughs> was like back then. So let's talk about it. As with a lot of food history, finding the exact person, place, time, or culture of a consumable like beer is a difficult one to pin down uh, naturally. It's too fucking old to like be like, yeah, Joseph made it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, that's uh, Cindy Lou made it. No, it's 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 not as uh, yeah, it's not as straightforward as that. But we do believe fermented beverages came to fruition alongside the Neolithic Revolution or what is known as the Agricultural Revolution. Uh, that just means that, you know, we stopped moving around and hunting and gathering and planted roots. <laughs> Literally. No, yeah. Yeah, started, yeah, started creating things. Uh, I'm really with the puns, but not meaning to do puns tonight. I'm if enjoying I was, it. If I, was sharp, if I was sharper tonight, I'd be making those jokes, but I'm not. Um, some anthropologists even argue that fermented drinks like beer caused the revolution to begin what? with in the first place. Because okay. we as people desired the fermented uh, drinks so much that we wanted to create uh, a way to cultivate them. Are you telling me that the a, a huge advancement in society was made because of beer? Yeah. I'm going to say yes. I don't, I'm going to say yes. So I looked in a little bit further and I couldn't find, like, it seems like a popular thing. I don't even know if it's popular, but it seems like a theory that's thrown out there, but it's I don't know if it's necessarily held up in any real substantial way. It almost seems like... It almost seems like maybe like an idea, an interpretation of the data we have in front of us, right? Okay. I think the best okay. way, for me anyway, the way I'm going to walk away from the knowledge is knowing that at, they both kind of they both kind of rose at the same time because 
they both help each other, right? Like doing one is beneficial to the other. It's a very symbiotic relationship. Um, And I'm for the listeners, because you're all listeners, none of you are watching. Maybe you are. Um, I'm moving my hands back and forth in a very flowy way. Circular, yeah. One of the earliest known alcoholic beverages brewed was around 7,000 BCE China in the village of Xiahu, I think is how you would say it. Don't kill me. Um, Neolithic pottery shows evidence of a mead-type concoction made from rice, honey, and fruit. There's your rice so, beer. Yeah, okay. yeah 7,000 BC. Um, but for barley beer, uh, we need to look towards the Middle East, where beer production goes back to 5,000 years, even believed to be even believed to be around 10,000 BCE. Wow. Um, okay. We don't have we don't have ev- hard evidence, but we have. Uh, Tablets and stuff that that reference, you know. Tablets. Some, oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. Like, there's no. We don't have like the which what you uh, what I found that they really look for here is like is finding pots and stuff like that that have the uh, remnants of obviously not alcohol because it didn't last that long, but uh, other things that they can track to okay. show that fermented beverages were made. Yeah, but uh, you know, back five thousand years to the Sumerians of ancient uh, Mesopotamia, uh, a site known as Godintep has provided evidence of beer being brewed around 3500 uh, BCE uh, but these uh, but there are sites in Sumer that suggest an even earlier date which again based on jugs with beer uh, residue on them hmm. so we put roughly uh, for barley beer we it, the, the range is always either 4000 BC or 3500 BC is kind of the range that everyone lives with from there it made its way to Egypt through trade and the Egyptians improved the process of brewing creating a much lighter drink beer did make its way to the Greek and Romans oh of course but they preferred wine and were not a big fan and they thought beer to be a barbarian's drink ah. um Eventually, it would make its way to the Germans, those barbarians, uh, where they would perfect the process and create the beverage we know today. That is a rough outline. You know how I do my shows, uh, episodes. <laughs> it's a rough outline, and now we're going to go a little bit deeper. We're going to go bow, deeper. Bow. That was the Back. Going in. Yeah, yeah. That's my uh, Aziz Ansari impersonation. Genuine? You don't know who Genuine is? Uh, that's my Aziz I'm sorry. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I closed my eyes uh, and I was like, Aziz. <laughs> yeah, Elle got really focused. She wanted to hear it. She, she baited me into that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, back to Mesopotamia. Uh, so beer was believed to be a daily staple for the people of ancient Mesopotamia. Uh, beer appeared in their paintings, poems, and their myths. Uh, the brew is believed to be thick, uh, like modern-day porridge. <laughs> no, disgusting. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and they were it's drinking believed, that. Okay. Yeah, it's... So, I don't know if you knew this, but the straw uh, is dated back to Mesopotamia, and it's believed that they invented the straw specifically oh, no. to drink this beer because the straw helped them filter out the pieces of herbs or bread in the drink. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty wild. Uh, yeah, because now if you said, hey, drink your beer at the shop, people would look at you like you're absolutely ridiculous. I'm bringing it back. Okay. I'm bringing I'm it back. I'm not going to join you on that. Okay. <laughs> oh, join me. Come on. <laughs> 
Join me. We'll do that stupid little thing where we put the straw through the middle tab. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> the Sumerians had many names for beer, such as uh, Sikaru, Dita, or a beer. Uh, I'm sorry if I, I'm not, why am I saying sorry? I'm not a fucking language doctor. Get off my back. Uh, beer language was doctor. regarded as a gift from the gods to promote human happiness and well-being. I I'll like take that. a cheers to that. I'll take a cheers to that. They're having a great time. Women were the original brewers. Let's go. Uh, it was a part of their preparations of meals. Uh, it was actually considered the baking in the baking part of the day. Incredible. Okay. Yeah, and at the time, beer was made with. Uh, I'm going to get this wrong too. It was made with bipar, which is a twice baked barley bread, uh, and that mm, was then there fermented. You go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then during Babylonian times, beer production increased. So old. Get them numbers <laughs> up. Uh, <laughs> beer. <laughs> Uh, beer was put into their law book, the Code of Hammurabi. Yeah, paragraphs what? 108 to 110 state, and I'm about to give you some law, some ancient fucking law. 108 states, if a tavern keeper, feminine, uh, does not accept grain according to gross weight in payment of drink, but takes money, and the price of the drink is less than that of the grain... She shall be convicted and thrown into the water. What? Into the water. <laughs> 109. <laughs> what a wild punishment. Uh, 109. If conspirators meet in the house of a tavern keeper and these conspirators are not captured and delivered to the court, the tavern keeper shall be put to death. Boo. Um, that was a terrible one. That's a bad one. I think the first one's not good either. Uh, 110, it pretty much, the first one was like, yeah, if you don't pay them in the correct beer amount, uh, then we'll throw you in the water. <laughs> but like, you don't die, I don't think, from that, right? They just throw you in the water? I don't know. I, I'm assuming they're tying, like, bricks to your feet like just a fucking kidding, you're mafia totally boss. Dying. And you're totally dying. You're totally dying. What's it, Salem? Okay. If a sister of a god open a tavern or enter a tavern to drink, then shall this woman be burned to death. <laughs> no. So if you were a sister of a god, you better not be getting that drink. Bro, what? But, but to move past the weird old laws that we should not put our 2023 lens on, because again, this It'll happened be in fucking Babylonian times. To move on, they made a ton of different beers during this time. Uh, they would end up classifying all their different beers into 20 categories. Um, and during that period, they would trade beer, especially with Egypt. On to Egypt. The Egyptian goddess of beer was Tenenit. I'm going to say. Okay. Like the movie. Yep. <laughs> Whose name derives from Tenemu, one of the Egyptian words for beer. Hmm. Uh, the most popular beer in Egypt is believed to be Hect, uh, which was a honey beer, which kind of sounds like yeah. mead. Like but mead, yeah. yeah. And workers in ancient Egypt received beer rations three times a day. A day. And beer was often used as compensation for labor. No, it's like when you... Yeah. So that's two societies now that do beer for payment because Mesopotamia did that as well. That was one of the laws was that if the payment in beer was not correct or that they took money instead, but they didn't trade, like that was uh, against the law. So it's, illegal. it's kind of like beer was big. 
Big deal. Yeah, huge. Egyptians believed brewing was taught to humans by the great god Osiris. So we're rolling in more gods. Yes. Um, And just like Mesopotamia, women were the original brewers. And in the beginning, it all had that same thickness because it was just in the house and it was part of like the baking process. But then at some point in Egypt, it moved into breweries, the first ever, uh, where men took over the duties of brewing. They did larger batches of beer that led to ultimately a better brewing process and changed the consistency of the beer. And that would become a, a really popular version of the beer. That it, it sort of spread like wildfire in Egypt from from there. And beer was so popular in Egypt that Queen Cleopatra the Seventh lost popularity towards the end of her reign for implementing the first ever beer tax. What? Yeah, the tax was used to help fund the wars with Rome, but she claimed it was to deter public intoxication. And the tax was considered unjust because beer was often prescribed for medicinal purposes. Of course it was. As we we have mentioned, a lot of this food gets put in the role of medicine. Now, ancient Greece and Rome play a role. Now, while beer made its way to Greece and Rome, they didn't love it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Greek writer uh, Xenophon claimed the taste must be acquired, (laughs) which isn't exactly a glowing review of it. Sophocles referred to beer as unfavorable and recommends moderation in its use. By the way, that's the playwright. That's the same one. <laughs> um, yeah, same wondering. playwright. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Roman historian Tacitus wrote of the Germans saying, the Germans have a horrible brew fermented from barley or wheat, a brew which has only a very far removed similarity to wine. Ooh. So, also not the uh, not the biggest uh, glowing review for them either. And Emperor Julian composed a poem claiming the scent of wine was of nectar, while the smell of beer was that of a goat. <laughs> so, I feel like for the time, that's a pretty harsh insult, right there. A harsh yeah, critique. So yeah. So, Greeks and Romans, not big fans. Good However, wine. beer beer was brewing in the area. And quite early, an excavation of the Roman military encampment unearthed evidence of beer brewing around 179 CE. So despite these higher-ups disliking the beverage, it was cheap, and it was, bare minimum, at least something for poor people to get drunk with. Uh, And it would continue to develop throughout the region and into the European region in general. So it's time for Northern Europe's time to shine. We're moving. We're bu- we're, we're, we're buzzing, buddy. We're buzzing. Evidence. Uh, just stop me if you have any questions. It's a lot of information. No, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving this so far. Evidence of Germans brewing beer dates as early as 800 BCE. And just like Egypt and Mesopotamia, women typically in brewed the beer uh, as a part of the ah, food okay. work for the household. But as we tumble into the Middle Ages and as Christianity grew, the brewing of beer would be taken over by Christian monks. That is something that I did not foresee in the story. Okay. I know. Uh, we usually, especially in the States, we relate Christianity with opposing alcohol and beer, but it was actually incredibly pivotal for beer to grow in uh, the rest of the European region. So 
pretty fucking crazy. All right, I'm going to fuck this whole thing up because my German's bad, but uh, <laughs> the Kalmbacher Mannschaft Kloster a uh, monastery founded in 1349 CE in Kalmbach uh, still produces their famous Schwartz beer today. No still way. the same okay. beer. Yeah, the Germans also instituted daily beer rations just like those previous <laughs> to them. That's right. Three times a day, baby. Yeah, it wasn't just Germans brewing the beer, uh, although they played a major, major role. All across the Celtic nations, beer was being brewed, uh, and this is where beer would become the beer we know today. Hops were used in beer as early as the 9th century, believed to have been discovered as a good ingredient uh, for beer by oh, wow. Osmata, a female brewer who needed to make some ale for a wedding. Wow, that wedding brew. Yeah, she was needing to make a big batch. And uh, previously, it was made with Groot, uh, which was used before hops, but doesn't preserve the beer well. Uh, by the way, Groot is a mix of various herbs. So to make the beer last longer, something had to be done. And it was either to make it more alcoholic, which was expensive, or be smart and make it with a different product uh, and hops. That's what she did. And it would slowly take uh, hold. By the 13th century, the use of hops was perfected in the medieval towns of Bohemia. That's so early. It is. Wow. It okay. is early. Um, and that's the thing is when I say perfected, uh, hops are strong, right? Like it's real. I imagine that especially with at the time with, you know, they don't have thermometers. They don't have anything like that, right? They right. don't have the facilities that we think of when we think of uh, like a brewery. You know, to think that you use hops and imagine how different each batch would have been, right? Like, and by the way, no, they absolutely. also don't even know why it happens. Like, they're making this shit. Wait. They don't understand why it, like, they don't get the science behind it. They don't understand what the yeast is yeah. doing. They don't get why it's just happening. Like it. They just know it happens. So, you know, the process behind this, again, you would, interesting hops made it last longer for whatever fucking reason and you know you would make one batch you probably tasted fine you make another batch maybe you went too long maybe it didn't do this maybe it soured in another way things like that but it would end up being perfected and finding that kind of balance that would be pleasant to most people uh, in the 13th century and at that same time germantown scaled the beer making process and standardized barrel sizes to allow for large-scale exporting and that is fucking massive they created a standardized barrel size to sell and brew out of incredible that's huge yeah that's like during this yeah. same time they literally uh, standardization yeah they literally yeah. created the standardization for like a brewery a brew house things like that it's incredible again this is so, so early, early. <laughs> like that's blowing my mind yeah, yeah. And all these things would lead to a massive growth in consumption of beer. Uh, for instance, Hamburg consumption per capita increased from an average of 300 liters per year in the 15th century to about 700 in the 17th century. So it's a pretty good growth. And that process would make its way to England by the late 15th century. Interestingly enough, English ale and beer were brewed separately and brewers weren't allowed to produce both. As I mentioned earlier. That is interesting. As I mentioned earlier, ale was something different to them uh, than beer, right? So beer ended up taking over the entire thing. But before that happened, yeah, they, they it, was, it was a separate thing. And so at the time, ale was considered to be without hops. Beer was considered to be hopped. 
Uh, and and for a while, they <laughs> actually preferred ale. In England, it took a while for the hopped stuff to really take over. But ultimately, uh, by the uh, by the end of the uh, 16th century, uh, all of it was just referred to as uh, pretty much beer. It started with ales being referred to any strong beer, um, and then all ales and beers ended up being hopped. So that's how that happened. That's very interesting to me. To okay. the Industrial Revolution we go! Wow, we... <laughs> haven't even made it to the industrial revolution yet like i didn't realize like the span of beer this has been great so far thank you uh brewing innovations came in the wake of a better steam engine uh and some changes oh yeah in gear they got geared up baby got the platinum on specifically in 1760 the thermometer was introduced to the world that's right. Imagine a world without fucking thermometers. And 10 years later in 1770, the hydrometer was introduced into the world. So a couple of things. The thermometer allowed them to monitor and control the temperatures of their brew and their fermentation. Wow. Which led to consistency among batches. Literal game big, change. Big, big game changer. Almost even more of a game changer is the hydrometer. It helped them measure the fermentable yield of different malts. So each beer, for instance, oh, the wow. beer I'm drinking now is probably a copper. So each beer gets, for color-wise, at the time before this uh, hydrometer, uh, there are okay. different types of malts, just like there are different types of yeasts and hops and all that stuff, different types of everything. So you would have your dark malts for your dark beers, your pale malts for your pale beers, your uh, copper, I don't know what they're, I can't remember what they're called, I don't have them noted here, but then there's like the middle ground, whatever, for example. Okay. And essentially the hydrometer allows you to weigh density, uh, and so they could weigh which malt yielded them more uh, of that wort. That was fermentable liquid. And they found that while the pale malts were more expensive, it gave you way, way more liquid, way more. So what they did is they pretty much this like as far as I'm concerned outside of like specific craft brewing, like for major breweries, this is how it's done. You use a pale malt. And then for color differentiation, you just factor that in in the recipe. So you'll add like a little bit of a dark malt or a little bit of this to change the overall color. But you use the most cost-effective malt for the majority of the recipe. So that's what the hydrometer did. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah. So that's fucking crazy. Yeah, it is. Then in 1817, Daniel Wheeler invented the drum roaster, which helped roast and dry the malt for beer without the unwanted added smoke flavor that beer had dealt with up to that point that's right i haven't even mentioned it interesting but to dry the malt they used to dry it over open flames with smoke and that flame would be with wood or charcoal or straw or whatever the fuck they could get right yeah and that smoke would like attach to the malt and so all the beer would end up with a smoky taste. And we know that they tried to get away from the smoky taste because they wrote about it in their recipes about how the smoke taste threw people off or like didn't like the taste of it in their beer. So they were trying to figure out ways to stop it from putting uh, imbuing itself onto the malt itself. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Which is pretty wild. And in 1857, Louis Pasteur uh, discovered 
what yeast's oh. role in fermentation was. Like I said, they literally didn't know why things did what they did. This guy changes the game. He tells you what it does. He also did a bunch of shit with vaccines. Dude was brilliant. And that led to brewing methods that prevented the souring of beer. And in 1912, the use of brown bottles began by Joseph uh, Schiltz. Joseph Schiltz Brewing Company, specifically. The brown bottle helps prevent harmful UV rays from ruining the quality of the beer, which is why the brown or green dark bottles are the most common types of bottles you see. Wow. Okay, no, I won't lie. I definitely just thought it was because, you know, it was a it, darker. So you're just like, oh, yeah, we're putting a darker yeah, drink into it. Was, a that it was trendy. Bottle. Yeah, no, it was, it was apparently, it was apparently yeah, no. for that reasoning. Beer in America, L. Actually, before we move on, any questions? I just dumped so much information. You like that was a that was a, a beer dump of knowledge. No, I'm I'm impressed again. Like I'm kind of dumbfounded in the fact that beer has been around for so long. But then now, on that little twist, it's not the beer that we know of in in that sense. It's beer with a smoke flavor layered on top. And so I'm just thinking about how many like for years people were drinking this beer with a smoke flavor on top, and then all of a sudden they've now come up with a way. Like you don't have to do that. And not only is that, now you have a way to make consistent batches. I, yeah. I'm sure people's brains probably yeah. exploded. Well, <laughs> I've mentioned it before, probably on one of the beer bonus episodes we've done where we talked about a company, right? But like, um, mm-hmm. I've said before how fucking amazing it is. How, like, it's impeccable that you know what a Bud Light tastes like. Like, you know the fucking yeah, science behind that? Like, you do now. <laughs> to, to have to ensure that this thing that you're fermenting is going to be the exact same that every Bud Light you open needs to taste exactly like Bud Light. That's nuts. (laughs) It's absurd. Now you think about, yeah, you say that. (laughs) That's an insane process. And it didn't, it was not the case for most of beer's history. So it's impeccable. We live in a great time. Beer in America. Before Prohibition, there were thousands of brewery in the States. And like much of the beer in the world at the time, the beer was heavier than uh, the average American light lager we see today. By Prohibition, most of those breweries went out of business. As we've talked about, we've literally talked about this for sure. Uh, Some converted into soft drink uh, business. Others went to cheese. Uh, Looking at you, Paps. Um, Yeah, no, uh, just in general, (laughs) they went to different types of businesses to survive and bootleg beer was uh, a big deal but bootleg beer and this is this explains so much about our beer here well our mass-produced beer uh bootleg beer was usually watered down to increase profits and that's why that's why when beer came back it came back as the american light lager i'm not shitting you the fla- yes Wait, the flavor what? profile that beer came back with these big companies when they came back the profile they went with was a lighter beer because it helped with profits and since beer uh. had been off the shelves for so long we just ran with it we were like okay that's cool man that's what it used to taste that's like that's cool yeah this is this is it then you know after world war 2 there was a lot of consolidation Rob. with bigger breweries which we again we for sure talked about different breweries buying up different breweries Paps Blue. Check out the PBR episode. It's great. Seriously, it's great. <laughs> Fucking Paps. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, 
wonderful uh, uh, episode, and you should go listen to it because it kind of <laughs> deals with this. And yeah, so there was a big consolidation of a lot of breweries. And as we mentioned in our Sierra Nevada episode, by the 70s and 80s, there was the beginning of the craft brewery movement because people, you know, we talked about we've talked about this before. You know, people are traveling like the 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 post war world. It's 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 an America that travels and is trying different mm-hmm. stuff and there's like a revolution and there's time for us to be interested in and in food and different things that we're consuming like this isn't you know this isn't you know for the rations and stuff like that we, we we're getting away from that stuff and 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 we're moving into this kind of going to a prosperous yeah, we're time moving into yeah. this more luxurious thing where things are more accessible and and we're just more we're we're more interested in that type of stuff, and so you start to see this this craft brewery movement in the seventies and eighties, and I think we we see where that's kind of come to now, where the number of breweries and operations, according to the Brewers Association, is two thousand five hundred thirty eight, and only fifty five of those are non craft breweries. So yeah, Holy yeah. Shit. So what? craft brewing uh, is is massive, massive, massive. Makes sense, though, yeah. That's beer. We just, yeah, wow, we just Tim. did it. We did it. That was a hell of a that was a hell of a Woo! pour right there. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> and in the morning, I'm having waffles. That was um, solid, yeah. dude. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yes. No. I mean, honestly, for something that seems like a very like simple it's like process, it was like a very straightforward, simple beverage. Like, there's so much layer. Oh my to god. It. Wow. I had yeah. no clue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a bunch. <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of history, and that's uh, and you know, I I'm really gonna I'm really gonna suggest going through the show notes for this one. I I, I mentioned the show notes just for like social plugs, but I truly like if you are interested to get the further and deeper picture of this, I would say for sure, uh, go to the show notes and check out the different articles I read because there's just a ton of information in there, and and what I gave you is is the the short of it. Truly, I mean it's. You know, this is the, it's the bullet points I, I thought would make for a good and interesting listen without getting bogged down into like the super, super detailed stuff. So sure. Yeah. Very fun. L, uh, you gave it a 25. Tim. Where you at? Yeah. I'm going to bump it. Bop, bop, bop. Uh, it was out of 50. I'm bumping that bad boy up to like a 46. You were at a 25. You're at a 25, so it's only out of 40. Oh, just kidding. Oh, yeah, because yeah. it was out of 40. Then I'm going up to 36. 36. <laughs> yeah. At plus 10. No, yeah, absolutely. It was solid. Yeah. We're moving to our favorite segments, uh, to L's favorite part. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, I think it's really cool that the first breweries, or brewers, I should say, were women. And I think it's interesting how they added in, like, it was part of their baking time. Yeah. Ingrained in their schedule for the day. And, like, tavern keepers... We're first yeah, women. Yep. Shitty rules, but um, <laughs> yeah. And again, yeah, I mentioned it earlier. Just the overall arching theme of like how old this beverage is and how it's stood the test of time. And like, I obviously, yeah, technological advances have have made a have been huge to it. But for the most part, I don't think there's a lot of variation of ingredients from whenever people used to make beer no, to now. There, there really isn't. And well, and we live in a world now where craft brewery is so massive that you have breweries uh, like Dogfish Head, which is what I'm sipping on now, that go out of their way to like make is like make facsimiles of beers of the past with like a modern with a modern yeah. kind of kind of take on it, right? So it's like let's try and get as close to their spices, their herbs, their 
their uh, barley. Let's try and get close to that, their yeast, and imbue the flavors of it, but with like, you know, with the ability to control temperatures and the ability to brew it at specific times and and make changes to make something that's like really palatable for the the modern drinker. So you have a lot of these breweries that do that now. They're not the only one. They're just one of the bigger ones that do it. Uh, no, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Special appearance from a straw. Like didn't realize straws were going to be involved in this yeah. story at all. Um, I'm very thankful that beer is not thick because it's like, I mean, again, like you think of lo- like some lagers can be yeah, very stouts. Thick. You know I what think I mean? that's fair. Yeah. Stouts, uh, but not anywhere near what I'm sure these early beers were by no. any means. So I'm like, I'm thankful for that because if it was like that, I, I would not have my <laughs> on beer that I, yeah. I have. Like that's too thick for me. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to move on to uh, Tim's final thoughts. Yeah. That was his final thoughts. Thank you, Tim, for yeah. Oops, all Tim. Uh, thank you. Oops, all Tim. <laughs> thank you for that. That was great. No, I talked enough. I've talked enough today. I'm you did you talking everyone's yeah, ears no. off. Um, <laughs> guys, that was where does beer? Uh, this is where does food? That was great, Tim. Thank you. Um, if you hear that music, awesome. I hope you. I hope oh, I hear you've it. enjoyed it because this is the last episode it will feature on. It's what? the finale, what? baby. We finished out season four. It feels what? like we just started this son of a bitch. I swear the seasons fly by. Um, I it's agree. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And we have some huge announcements. First, I'm going to give Austin his shout out. Austin helped make this music uh, with yes, me. Let's go. So check him out as Meridian Sky on Spotify or it's really great. Um, really great stuff. Apple Music. Uh, it's instrumental. It's awesome. He's got a ton of music on the backlogs. I know this because I live in his house. No, I don't. But uh, but we're friends, so we talk <laughs> about our creative works. And I'm telling you, he's got some stuff uh, backed up, and he's ready to he's ready to fucking drop it on the world. Um, yeah. Let's so go. seriously, yes. it's a great time to go check him out. And he's uh, he's been wonderful, and he helps me. He helps me make these. Uh, and he's gonna. Uh, you know, I'm gonna keep convincing him to help me make these theme songs moving forward uh because he can play instruments and all i do is diddle around on a midi board and have fun but there's something to uh (laughs) his ability to play some fucking guitar in it it's awesome uh but we have some big announcements we mentioned last episode that we are going to mention again specifically for this finale guys we are gonna be moving over to the a cast network um we really want to put uh, more into this show in terms of just not only money, but just giving it the best chance that it has. We've enjoyed making it, but at the end of the day, we're very busy people and it's got to give us something back, right? Like, I mean, it's hard to keep up hobbies when you have so many other responsibilities in this world. So we really want to to go in on this thing and, uh, and, you know, hope to see some growth out of it. So we will be going mm-hmm. to ACAST and we will keep you updated on all that stuff over on our Twitter at where does food. Um, so just keep an eye out on that stuff. You know, where I'm, I'm looking to make some changes to the website. We're thinking about uh, merch at some point this year. We don't know when that's truly something we've wanted to do for a while. And we're going to try our fucking best to figure it out this year. Cause I know it, that's something that, that has been asked for so we're going to try to do that uh and get that solved we are also going to be introducing some new 
in different formats for the show. So hope you guys will enjoy that. Recently, we did a question air type of thing, and that will definitely be making its way <laughs> back. Not for every episode, but you know, it'll it'll make its way around. You know, we're gonna do some. We're going to do some quote-unquote guest episodes. We're going to do a bunch of stuff. I'm excited for what we have uh, planned yes. and in the works. Um, and hopefully you guys are, are uh, along for the ride with us. If you uh, if you have any suggestions on any food you want to hear, like I said, or just keeping up with us in general, you can go to that Twitter, at Where Does Food. You can also follow me personally on Instagram, at Tim underscore and underscore Winston. You can follow L. Also on Twitter at L Chapo with three underscores in between L and Chapo. You can go to wheredosfood.com and you can check out the podcast there. Like I said, that's probably going to have a facelift soon. So uh, that'll be hopefully some exciting changes. Uh, And then for the time being, uh, you can still go to anchor.fm forward slash wheredosfood. You can check us out there. That's where our RSS feed lives. But Again, we'll update you when all that changes because that will be the change between season four and five. Um, We will be taking, I'm shooting for a month. It could go up to six weeks. Again, we will keep you updated. Depends on how easily this all transfers over and how quickly we can get all that kind of in front of us. Sure. Um, But we're looking at a month to six weeks off. We don't obviously want to be off for too, too long, but... You know, we want to make sure everything is good and in order and that all of our episodes are still available to listen to. Uh, so that might take a little bit of time. In that meantime, we have about damn near 50 episodes, if not 50 already, um, to go back and listen to and share <laughs> and um, do all types of stuff. Seriously, it's super, super simple and very helpful. Just go leave any review, star rating, anything like that. If the platform you listen on offers it, helps with the algorithm. Yeah. Also, um, good old algorithm. Seriously, take my advice on this. Grab your family and your friends, hog tie mm-hmm. them. Oh, yep, yep. In the back of your trunk and just play the podcast and just let it roll. You know, give them some water. You know, they don't need food for like, yeah, they don't need food for like two weeks, but like water's oh, important. Nice. Give them some water, make sure they live and just let them listen to podcasts and that will for sure make them fans. Um, but also, yeah, you could just, you could just share it like normal if you want. <laughs> but that's all I got. Seriously, uh, <laughs> season four has been great. It's been one of my favorite seasons um, that we've done. I say that almost every season, I feel like, but truly truly season four has been fantastic and uh i am excited Uh, i'm sure Elle's excited as well uh but yeah i'm super excited for the future of the show and uh stay tuned because we got some fun shit lined up and ready to go uh either way have a blast uh and remember drink responsibly